Hi, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Crete here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm joined with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're really excited to be with you this week. We are in the seventh Sunday of Ordinary Time, and this is our regular show where we reflect on the Sunday readings, and we give you a perspective that's unique that each of us provides based on our psychological and spiritual understanding of the readings. So we're excited to have you with us. How are you doing today, Dr. Peter? I'm doing great, Jerry. It is good to be with you today and good to be with all of our, all of you in the audience, all of our people. So uh, yeah, I'm in like a really good mood. I'm in a really good mood today. So did you know, you know, you, well, let me ask you this. Did you know that I'm moody? I, I actually am kind of a moody person. And so that actually comes out in some of the things we'll be talking about today. So, ah, okay, yeah. okay. Well, I think we all can be moody sometimes. I'm a bit of a melancholic, uh, I'm told. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so we can get into it. We're going to be talking about emotions. Well, actually, let's go through just what our takeaway, because we always provide each of us our own individual kind of key uh, theme. Right. And so what is your key theme that you got from the readings? So emotions are morally neutral, but what we do with emotions can be good or bad. Okay. Yeah, we'll flesh that out a little bit. And they Jerry, will, they will intersect with mine, of course. Oh, but it's yes. so funny how different the different things <laughs> that emerge for each of us as we explore these things, you know. Because um, mine was... Um, the path to holiness is through love. <laughs> and it, I know that sounds kind of schmaltzy, but it is deep and profound, and we will discuss. And we will also provide you with some action items, some things, yes. ways to put this into your life, in your everyday life. And we'll give simple, those- simple yeah. things. Yeah, simple, short things that you can do that'll make, <laughs> that'll make a difference in your life. Stay with us till the end, and we, we bring those up at the end. So. Great, great. All right, so we are going to uh, read you the Sunday readings. Uh, And uh, of course, as always, you can skip it if you've read them or don't want to hear them. Uh, But please join us. Please continue, because what we have to say, I think, is going to be really interesting today. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get started. We are about to read. Oh, from Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the whole Israelite community and tell them. Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. You shall not bear hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Though you may have to reprove your fellow citizen, do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against any of your people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Second reading is from 1 Corinthians. And chapter three, brothers and sisters, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for the temple of God, which you are, is holy. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you considers himself wise in this age, Let him become a fool so as to become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. For it is written, 
God catches the wise in their own ruses. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So let no one boast about human beings, for everything belongs to you, Paul, or Apollos, or Kephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All belong to you, and you to Christ, and Christ to God. And the gospel is from uh, Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And there we have it. There we go. Powerful readings. Yeah. Those yeah. are provocative. Yeah, they bring up a lot. They bring up a lot. Oh, so, so Jerry, tell me, what, what struck you? What struck right. you in the readings here? All kinds of things, really. Um, you know, I, I was thinking the first reading, Leviticus, is so interesting because it says, be holy. And one of our kind of catchphrases at Souls and Hearts is like, be still, right. be loved. You know, um, the course on pornography is part of the series of be true. Uh, there's a discernment is be called, but here God says, be holy, like straight out. And he says, I am the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he really lays out, you know, how to be holy, which is not to hold hatred, not to hold, hold a grudge, not to go after revenge. So he's really beginning something that we see kind of gets spelled out in all of these readings, because after that we get, um, you know, we get the Gospels basically saying, turn the other cheek, offer your cloak, go the extra mile, you know, which is funny. That's an expression you hear, and I, I right. forget where it comes from. You right. know, love your enemies, pray for those. Who, and so Jesus always sort of takes it even further, but it's the same principle, is that holiness is really about letting go of the things in your heart that are holding you back, that are tying you to this world and to things of this age that we might think are just wise or smart, but in fact are not, at least right. not, in God's, not in God's eyes. And so, I don't know, I was really, really kind of wrestling with that um, as I was reading through these readings. You know, as you were describing that, you know, it sounds to me like you're picking up on this progression from inside the heart to outside right? Like there's this emphasis on what happens. He starts in Leviticus. He starts inside, right? You shall not bear hatred 
for your brother or sister in your heart, right? Very inside, right? Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't even, he's not even talking about interacting with your brother or sister. It's, it's he's talking about what's going on with your brother mm-hmm. and sister in your heart, in your heart, in yes. your heart. So very much internal, you know, so this work starts even before you have any contact with your brother or sister. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's very internal and then it moves more to the external. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's like a progression there as I was listening to what you said. And that's exactly what we talk about here at Souls and Hearts. You know, I always key in on any and any time heart appears in any of the readings, I'm like, boom, on it. You know, and right. that's and I was very much on that one too. Like, yeah, to bear the um to bear hatred. Like what does that mean to bear hatred for somebody in the heart? You know, uh I I kind of you know, he explains it as, you know, holding a grudge and so on and, and, and even wanting revenge, but it's holding on to someone else's faults. It's holding on to criticism. It's holding on to the, even the idea that I know better and I'm better and other people are all wrong. And, and honestly, you know, I've been on Twitter a lot lately. <laughs> I've been tweeting. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a special kind of... Um, I could say penance, but no, there's been blessings from it too. Actually, I've learned a lot, but, and I've actually interacted with a lot of interesting people and I'm learning about the whole Twitter world and the Catholic Twitter world. But what I'm also seeing and trying to avoid is there's just a lot of negativity and, and I can sometimes even agree with some of the negativity and go, Oh yeah, that's terrible. But it, it fosters in my mind, hatred. It, it, it may not like to constantly be in a mind space where everyone is doing things that are wrong and hateful and negative can take a toll on one's own heart. So that focus, you know, on, on the negativity, because that's what struck me in this language too, is the cherishing of the grudge, right? Like protecting it, loving it, holding the grudge, you know, and, and, and it's easy to do that when you're interacting with people on the internet, right? It's almost like oh, yeah. it people in some way to be able to enter into this conflict. They get to discharge their aggression. There's all sorts of things that get played out. If the other person is a bad enough actor or seem to be a bad enough actor to be able to mistreat them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it plays into our vanity and our vanity that we're right, right. about everything. You know, right. and, and whether we are or not, we, we're, I think we're being called to detach, right, in love, to detach. I, I'm fascinated by this concept called holy indifference. And I've been fascinated for a while. It doesn't show up much in the writings of the saints. But it's mentioned by St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis de Sales. And the best I can understand it is it's cl- the closest thing I know in psychological terms to a separate, a, a not dependence <laughs> okay. or a detachment. In other words, my identity isn't wrapped up in what other people are doing and saying, and that I can have a sense of indifference. Not that I don't care. That's not what it means by indifference. It means I am in a state of detachment where um, I am freed up to love. Regardless and, of what happens. Exactly. So I don't have to try to control other people. And I'm not invested in how they behave, except, you know, to observe and then to make choices around loving them. All right. So you don't have to then take, you don't have to, to take responsibility for other people's actions. You can allow providence to work 
in these really mysterious ways and mm -hmm. you don't have to determine outcomes, right? And you can be responsible just for what you say and think and do and not be responsible for other people. Right, yeah. And understand, understand that whatever they do, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Like good can come from that, from anybody that's loving the Lord. So we don't have to somehow, um, you know, manipulate them or make them do what is right or anything like that. We can let, we can be sort of detached. If they take, you know, if we're, if we do feel called to give advice or to suggest something and they take it or not, it's a little bit out of our control. All we can do is choose to love. Right. And, and that's all. And that's hard, that hard in general. I think it's especially hard with our own families, family members, because we're so close to them. Right. And, and like our own children, for example. And I mean, it's different when they're very young obviously. Right. But as right. they get older and they're starting to make autonomous right. decisions, it becomes really difficult to just love them regardless of whether they listen to us or not or do the things we really wish they would. Right. Um, but what can happen if, is we can get so caught up in the fact that they're not doing what we want them to do that it actually hardens our heart and maybe right. creates some, a grudge. Right. 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 And we're called to be holy. We're called to be different. Um, so that, that was a big takeaway. You know, I wanted to point something else out because I thought it was so interesting in, um, I think it was what St. Paul was saying, was it? But, but this part, there was this little line about the present and the future. Maybe that's the gospel. Actually, no, that's, I think that's the gospel. Anyhow, and, and, I, and I thought that we have to be detached from the world, from life, from death. And it says the present and the future. And I, I was fascinated by this concept and the concept of time here. And even what does it mean to not be caught up in the future? And he doesn't say the past, but I would almost add that too. Oh, yeah. Because I think that I can spend a lot of my time obsessing over what I didn't do in the past and a lot of my time obsessing about what might happen in the future right. and even obsessing about what's going wrong in the present. <laughs> To the point, yeah, right, where I'm never happy no right. matter when, when, when and where I'm at. And, and instead, I feel like what the call to holiness here is in the readings is about somehow letting go of that in order to be just present. And that frees us to just experience God's love and to give God's love. All right. So, Jerry, can I offer you a, yes. a diagnostic uh, as to whether you hold a grudge or not? <laughs> Go for it. You'd be interested in that? Totally. All right. So I think a lot of it, if you look at your daydreams or your imagination and where that runs, okay, you'll learn a lot about what's going on in your heart. You know, David talks about in the Psalms, the secret places in the heart. And I think a lot of times we don't even necessarily know we're holding a grudge because it may not be in conscious awareness. But if, but if you find yourself imagining playing out scenarios um, with people, um, you'll get to know kind of what's going on in your heart. Mm. And so as you, as you, if you're imagining you know, some kind of conflict with your sibling, you know, your adult sibling, or some kind of, uh, you know, if you're reliving some situation that you had, some conflict you had with a son or daughter, or if you are, um, um, you know, kind of, going back over some situation with your boss and now you found the perfect witty comeback, you know, that sarcastic biting comment, you know, and you're enjoying kind of the, 
giving it to them, you know, in retrospect, or if you're imagining something in the future, you know, cause here's that past and future again, like what you're going to do next time you come up against, you know, that particular, uh, you know, uh, team, you know, and that player on that team who, who chucked you that elbow in the last basketball game, whatever it is, right. Um, you pay attention to that imagination and where your thoughts go when you're not, when you're not directing them, um, you know, deliberately, it'll tell you a lot about what you're cherishing in terms of the grudges or in terms of the bitterness in your heart and what form that takes and what emotions go with that. Cause most of us have a primary emotion that, um, that, uh, leads us to, um, you know, act out in some way. Could be anger, could be uh, sadness, could be uh, regret, could be jealousy, could be any number of things. But to kind of like notice what happens within you um, when you are not, um, you know, you know, just directing your thoughts deliberately. Okay. So for me, for me, it's anger. Like I can, I can play out all kinds of scenarios in my mind about uh, anger, which is one of the reasons why I don't allow myself to get on Twitter or to get on to the internet generally, because I can get wrapped up in stuff and get really overheated, especially, you know, in the Catholic uh, conflicts and polarizations that go on, um, you know, that can really rile me up and I can lose a sense of recollection about that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I try to limit that and I read more print material because it seems to have, be, I seem to be less reactive to that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure that for me it's anger the same way. I don't know that I do that. I think I get sort of tense or maybe more anxious. Anxious. Just more yeah. like, like uh, you know, just, just unsettled. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I daydream anger scenarios so much. But I, I think that, um, you know, I might obsessively think a little bit too much about it and mm-hmm. not, and, you know, not let it go. Um, the right. one thing, you know, so... What does it mean to be detached? I mean, I, I think that I want a little bit to get back to one, one other point, though. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea of a fool for Christ, which I think is fascinating. We could spend a lot of time on it. I know we're not going to spend a lot of time on it now. But because it just seems like the things Jesus is suggesting seems to be the opposite way of reacting. You know, yeah. like we Very have a natural intuitive. Like, you were talking about like your reaction would be to be angry about something or my right. reaction might be to be anxious about something. And, and yet... Christ's reaction to various things and little injustices or, or things that don't seem right are, are actually like not what anybody would react, how anyone would react. It feels unnatural, in fact, and foolish in the eyes of men, right? I think is the point here. And, and I guess what I'm wondering about is what that is really about, because I know for some people, they might read this and read these passages and think they have to be a doormat, or think that they can simply be abused. And I don't think that's actually the intention of these passages. Uh, and, and, and in fact, the way I would see it would be, um, there's a difference between simply being used and abused by someone, um, and a difference between, which is sort of an external reality possibly, versus um, being detached so that you are free. It's an interior space of freedom. So in fact, someone could abuse you in the sense of they could even martyr you. <laughs> like the mart like I think that's what our the, the saintly martyrs experienced, right? Like they were detached enough that they were killed. 
and it somehow and they somehow embraced that i mean that's the ultimate right but but for us in our everyday life like how do we become so detached that we are um we are free versus something else which is about simply being a doormat what yeah. what are your thoughts on that so i mean I, I i i totally agree i think about that with my clients about what is their human capacity right because i've had plenty of people come into my office and they want to die to self right but they've got a lot of dependency issues they've been taken advantage of they're routinely exploited in various ways and so you know in order to die to self you've got to be self-possessed in other words you've got to be able to have that space to give it up freely to give things up freely so sometimes we have to live up to this gospel and do some prerequisite steps. We have to be able to um, set limits and boundaries. We have to be able to say no in order to be able to say yes, right? Because otherwise, it's just going to be extracted from us, right? And so, so a lot of times, um, I think the gospels presume a pretty, uh, pretty reasonable high level of psychological maturation, Right. To be able to get up to that, you know, uh, that's a developmental thing, just like we don't expect um, um, we don't expect two year olds to be able to share their toys in this with this kind of detachment, because part of being two in our fallen world is to know that you have a separate identity because you because you possess things and those things are not other people's things. Right. So it's there's, there's sometimes a kind of working up to that. But I think what sometimes people do is they care, they, there's a caricature of the gospel. You know, they, you know, a woman thinks that if she gives in to her husband on anything he wants sexually, she's following the gospel when some of those things may be morally problematic, right? And certainly could be degrading to her, right? So we, wanna, we really want to think about this in terms of um, the hierarchy of goods and where people are at and what their capacity to give is. And so... Uh, I do, you know, invite my clients and to be thinking about like, what, what can I give and what am I just not able to? Cause sometimes we have to be humble enough to say, you know, I can't imitate a saint in this way right now because I don't have that degree of detachment. Right. But how can I move toward it? Right. What are the, you know, what are the, so instead of like on the golf course, just hitting for a hole in one, sometimes we just got to get out of the, out of the sand trap, you know, and back onto the fairway, you yeah. know, and because I thought the interesting counterpoint to that, and like your example of the husband asking the wife to do something uh, inappropriate or even worse, like a, a husband or, or wife for that matter, uh, physically abusing a mm -hmm. spouse or someone, you know, there are lots of examples we could use. And I think Corinth, the, the, the reading from Corinthians from St. Paul really speaks to that. You are a temple of God. Right. The spirit dwells in you. So there is a dignity that is unprecedented precedented in us as Christians. And, he, and, and it even says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. I mean, that's pretty unequivocal. Like God is going to have his day. If you hurt, you know, a, a, a if you destroy a temple of God. And, and he says in other places, you know, uh, better for a millstone right around your right. neck. Than to leave a little one astray. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so it's an interesting counterbalance to understand the real dignity of a human being and how, and when you own, like you were talking about possessing that self-possession, right. like when you own your true dignity as a child of God, as a temple of God. Wow. 
when you own that, you have a certain kind of freedom to transcend the the rules, if you will, or the the nor not the rules, but the wisdom, so to speak, of the age. And and you you are able to, you know, be that perfection that that God is calling us to here at times. But it's it's um, yeah, but it, it's a complex thing, isn't it? It's a difficult thing to know uh, to navigate in a moment. But clearly, I think we have to own our dignity. Well, and that's that's one of the, the litmus tests of whether what you're doing is working or not. Like, does this self-sacrifice um, that you're doing, like if you walk the extra mile or if you turn the other cheek, does it cause you to lose your identity? Do you lose who you are in that? Mm. Or, does it, or does it enhance and build up your identity, right? Mm. There, because, the, because that's how you kind of tell. Is this moving from a position of dependence or is this moving from a position of, self, of, of detachment from self? Right. Right. And so, you know, if it, if it, it doesn't mean that it's not, doesn't take effort to live the Christian life, but if one comes away from that bitter, you know, and, and, and unwilling to sacrifice, I mean, I've had, I've had spiritual director tell me, you know, your penances should be for you and not for anyone else. Right. (laughs) Telling me if, if this is, if this fasting is making you bitter at home, right. We it's disordered, right. So it's not what we should be doing. Um, so, um, so the uh, so you know so we, so that's one way to see is it is it is it tearing me down is it destroying the temple right um, or is it or is it you know I can't help it I, I know I'm thinking of some very you know whatever social what what's the word pa- pass resistance kind of movements but when I think of people like Gandhi being beaten beaten by the British when they were going down to the mines or or or, or Martin Luther King Jr. being um, you know hit you know, right. by, by, by people. Um, and when that was exposed to the world, the injustice was exposed to the world caused some real change, right? In terms of, you know, stopping oppressive behavior and stuff like this. And, and it wasn't, they didn't lose dignity when they were beaten. Right. They were in Christ didn't ironically lose dignity on the cross. Um, the same everything lose. was orient, even though he, everything was oriented to humiliating him. He didn't right. lose his dignity on the cross. Right. And but. the saints didn't actually end up losing their dignity when they were martyred. And in fact, they, they gained a greater dignity because they, they knew their dignity. Right. And they were willing to, you know, so, so I mean, that's a pretty high calling <laughs> for all of us, you know, but, but, but I think your point is, is right. We, we, if, if we are making these choices, it's, we don't have to, you know, in terms of maybe it's a self-sacrifice or maybe it seems like a foolish thing, but it's, as long as we're, we're retaining who we are, we don't lose it. Um, I think that's powerful and beautiful. So I think that's a cool aspiration. And I think we could spend a lot more time figuring it out, but we probably do need to get to our action items, right? Yeah, we should probably get there a little bit more. I just wanted to stress a little bit more that, you know, this, this, it, and if you feel anger in your heart, right, that's different than bitterness, right? Feeling an emotion is a, a first moral act. We've talked about this a little bit before in, previous, in a previous show, but it, it doesn't carry any, any moral weight. It's what you do with that emotion that, um, that carries, that can be good or bad. So if you feel anger, if I feel anger, which is a pretty common emotion for me, right? I can, I can nurture that. I can nourish it. I can play that out. Um, or I can resist it. I can think about, you know, the, 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 um, 
the good qualities of the person I'm angry at, or I can appreciate something about their motives that I probably wasn't thinking about because I reduced them into some two-dimensional figure, you know, rather than say, you know, there's something that they, that I'm not seeing here, you know? Um, so, so I, you know, I've just really encouraged people in that mental life. Some people daydream and imagine more than others, right? But just really kind of, you know, think about like what's going on, remembering what's going on, because it will tell you a lot about what's going on in your heart. Mm-hmm. and stuff that you may not know in conscious awareness or may not be aware of. So, yeah. And that kind of leads us to, leads to the action items too. So, but I, you had some comment here. I, I cut you off. No, I, no, you didn't. I was actually concerned. I wanted to make sure we t- talked about your theme enough. Cause I know you, yeah. did you feel like you just, yeah, that's it. It I mean, I, you, you, you know, you, you had great stuff today, Jerry. We're not, it's not, all, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not all going to be like, you know, whatever. I, and I, I just think what you were bringing up was so important about the dignity and the, uh, you know, and the detachment. So I, I right. we're going to stay okay. with that. So. Okay. Sounds good. Well, so action item. Well, what was your action item? So my action item is to, is to think about what emotion do I give into, right? Uh, what emotion do I get give, give into and let dominate me? Um, it could be anger, sadness, could be regret, could be jealousy. Um, and then can I reimagine situations if I'm playing things out in fantasy with me acting in a Christian way, loving the other person, again, practicing loving in the heart, you know, kind of like uh, Jerry bird used to used to imagine free throws. Like when he was injured, he imagined shooting free throws and it actually helped his, his, his free throw percentage. We can imagine loving the person. We can kind of go through what that would be like, rehearse that instead of allowing ourselves to get into whatever fantasy ruts we get into with, with, our, with our whatever negative emotions we have. So that's the challenge is can I, can I reimagine myself when I catch myself imagining something negative and harboring something? All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Mine's really simple. Uh, um, and this may be as a result of spending too much time on Twitter lately. Um, <laughs> Could you do it in 140 characters or less? <laughs> that's right. My action item is to pray for someone in politics or in the church that you despise or that you dislike or you have some angry feelings wow. about or whatever. Because uh, I, I know I was starting to have it and I'm not even, we're not, here this is not a political show so we're not here to talk about different politics but i'm canadian and by nature and and so all american politics is foreign to me <laughs> and, and the whole lot of it i dislike to be honest <laughs> and so any any amount of this person or that person or this party or that party whenever i see them i usually have a negative reaction in some way and and and, and i could get into like you know like despising or just being super negative. And so it was occurring to me that we lose the sense of the other person's dignity. Even if they're not a Christian, they have an inherent dignity as, as a, you know, created by God in his image. And so um, my job really isn't to be judge and jury of that person. Right. And so what I can do is pray for them. Right. And do I, and, and it's explicitly says in the gospels, pray or love your enemies. And the only way I can love some of these so-called enemies uh, that, that I have, you know, I don't even know them usually, and, and uh, is to pray for them, pray for their souls. And not in a bless your heart kind of prayer, but a true prayer, you know, like a, an intentionally, I want the good for this person. I want, you know, God to fill their heart. I want them to have peace. I want them to work through whatever issues and anxieties and struggles they have for the good. 
and, and, and for that to be as sincere as possible. And then you won't be imprisoned by your own bitterness or by your own grudges, right? Because those chain us, right? The, the grudges we hold chain us down. And so yeah. it's, 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 it's great. It's great medicine for the heart. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. And if, Hey, and if there's somebody in your life like that and you want to do something kind as well as pray for them, Hey, go for it. I mean, you can always do something yeah. kind to someone that you don't, that troubles you. Uh, because that's what got, you know what? And I, you know, I was challenged too, you know, like if I go to a party or if I go somewhere, I tend, cause I'm an introvert by nature anyway, I will tend to just like go over to the people I know. I will tend to just go with what's safe. And I'm so, because I'm so absorbed in myself and how I feel and my comfort level. And the gospels challenged me to go, well, you know what? I really shouldn't be just doing that. I should be looking around and actually going out of my way to talk to people and engage people that I either don't like, don't know, or whatever, and get out of myself. Because I, I feel like that's what we're being called to do. So anyway, but let's at least right. pray. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you have a great week, Dr. Peter. Yeah, you too, Jerry. You too, and all of our audience. And, you know, comments. Let us know what you're looking for. If it's something you like, something you didn't like, something you'd like to hear more of. Um, we've got the comment boards uh, at our website, soulsandhearts.com. We've also got, uh, we're also on YouTube, so you can comment there. And um, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email off of our website if there's something else you'd like to hear about. And uh, yeah. yeah, we're really open to creating content and, and are having discussions about things that are, are matter to you. We've yeah. got some really great blogs that like go on our website, explore our blogs, everything from you know, technology and parenting to dealing with depression to dealing with, um, you know, uh, starting the new year. What are some of the other ones we have? We've had God image stuff. We've had, um, you know, mindfulness. Can Catholics do mindfulness? Yes. We've got, um, you know, you know, you know, emo stuff on emotions. It's a, uh, it's, it's a wide variety of people writing for us, uh, Catholic clinicians, and uh, we're actually in the middle of a website makeover that should be happening this week or may already happen by the time this gets released. And so that's exciting. And we've got courses coming up in the not too distant future. So um, lots of good stuff. Lots lots of good good stuff. stuff. Yeah. All right. So join us on this pilgrimage as we try to remove psychological or our, our natural barriers to experiencing God's love. So until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Take care. God bless.